when I was younger, I had like an incredible memory and I could just like process information. But now I'm to an age where things I got to, there's so much in my head, like it's a file cabinet and I have so many issues that I'm dealing with and a lot of people that I oversee. So like people come up to me, ask me a question. I'll have to be like, stop for a second. Like, tell me like two pieces of this context. And then they say it to me and then I can unlock the entire thing that's going on there. But I'm not quick enough for them to just be like, hey, you know, did you approve that thing? And I'm like, wait, what thing? What thing are you talking what, about? What, can you just tell me a little bit more? I sent it to you the other day. No, no, no. Like, what is it? <laughs> I'm this and I'm this. Okay. We talked about that. We talked about this. And oh, I had to ask you three questions. These are the questions. And I can like get there. But I have, and I think if I don't do that, then I'm too fragmented. It, that's actually something that's happened recently with yeah. my new job. So I wonder, I Part of it is just I don't want to believe that I've passed my mental right, brain, right? Um, an alpha brain. Yeah, but the I think some of it is the way in which your brain is made to like hold things, and that some of it is not meant to be like a reminder of certain things. We have short term memory, long term memory, memory and processing. But the um, I read a book one time about how you're um, basically that to try to remember to do something that your brain was much more efficient. If you have a system outside of your brain, yeah. you say, oh, yep, I'm going to put this in here. Boom. Right. I'm going to trust the system. And now my brain is 100% of what it's got, you know? So. I mean, I was losing sleep thinking about this podcast because I was thinking about what we were going to talk about. And then I just picked up my phone. I wrote down the five things and then I went to sleep. And mm. it was like, okay, that's out of there now. Boom. So whatever it, like... I don't, I mean, I, I'm not a neuroscientist, but like, I'm trying to find ways to navigate around different situations. There's a lot of context and depth yeah. in each thing. So, A neuroscientist said between 36 and 50 is when you hit your mental prime. Mm. It's science. I don't feel prime. So well, We are though. We're prime. <laughs> okay, let's yeah. go. <laughs> Guys, welcome into the Get Body Podcast. This is your host, Shark Cross, aka your boy Share. And as always... I'm my, pe- I'm my two beautiful, dashing co-hosts. Give it up for Dr. Luke. Hi, everyone. Uh, if AI ends up taking over all the jobs, that's fine with me. Stay home and huff blue and eat fried ravioli. Wow. Um, and your jungle kitty, your favorite jungle kitty, David Dutt. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it awesome to get to see this live? It yeah. is. You don't get those the hand motions and everything. He was like primed to come in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was yeah. pouncing on you. I will say we were doing the workout today and Amber came off the rope and landed like a cat. Like not sound at all. Just like, like two feet, like from maybe a third up the rope. Wow. It's like, wow. Did you think that's very efficient? I should try it. No, I just was impressed because you, you get to know things about people you work out with, right? Like I'm told Kat, like she runs much faster than me, but I always know she's coming because she's like, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> really loud, yeah. you know? Audience, we have Matt Bali on the podcast. Woo-hoo! Yes. Matt, I feel like when David was talking to me about jumping off the rope, I feel like I'm the complete opposite. I want to be as loud as possible and also... G- let go of the rope as high as possible. Do you do that? I agree. I feel like I'm trying to extend my arms, but like I just want to get to the ground. I just but want I to also drop. always think about Pat breaking his ankle. <laughs> and so I'm always like, man, be careful. Yeah, that has popped in my head a few times. <laughs> well, 
I have one uh, public service announcement. Yes. My words are all jumbled up today. Hmm. I think I'm excited. That's good. Okay. Public service announcement. Audience, if you thought to yourself, is Matt 36 years old? (laughs) He's not. He's like 44. I'm 44, yeah. Public service announcement. Wow. I thought you were so much younger. (laughs) That's not what I thought it was going to be. I have a public service announcement. (gasps) That. (laughs) Just say, what is a public service announcement? What is it? Um, So, the annual sponsored, Get Body Podcast sponsored Hogtober is happening on October 14th. Wow. One of the things that made me really excited about last year's is we had a ton of people from the gym. We had a lot of like spouses and kids and people that got to meet each other. So you should come. Yeah. To my house. Uh, pre-order. We'll have the link uh, in the so, uh, episode notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. awesome. What are we pre-ordering? It'll be in the notes. Pre-order your tickets. <laughs> Check the yeah. notes. Pre- pre-order your tickets. To the you know what I'm pre-ordering. Yep. Um, well, guys, should we just jump in? Let's do it. Where should we start? Wait, you're at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. Oh dear lord! <laughs> <laughs> what? Did you get that reference? Yeah. Is it sound music? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. I, now I have the song. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Sound of music. <laughs> My kids are in a musical, so I've seen it a couple times, and they actually did a callback on Ted Lasso. I probably should ruin Ted Lasso for everybody. You can strike that out. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Oh, that's what that was. Ted Lasso. I have watched Ted Lasso. Yeah. Okay. So I remember Grace saying something about well. They did that on Ted Lasso? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was wow. the last episode when... Yeah. Uh, um, it was great. Yeah. Love that show. So, Matt, you grew up just west of Cleveland. West of Cleveland, Elyria, Ohio. Born and raised on the south, no, on the east side. That's <laughs> where I spent most of my days. Um, yeah, I grew up in Elyria. My parents um, got married right out of high school. They wow. just celebrated their 48th wedding anniversary. Oh, wow. I'm celebrating my 20th wedding anniversary in a, few, in a couple weeks. Um, Your folks still up in Elyria? They still live in Elyria. Small town folks. Um, blue collar. My dad worked in a factory. My mom sold home interiors. If anybody's ever heard of home interiors, probably not. I guess you're too young. What is that? <laughs> it was like in-home... <laughs> so... Okay, I get, we'll get into this. So my mom sold home interiors, which is like in-home decorations. So a picture, a shelf, a votive cup, flowers. You would do like a wall setting. And they were all over my house. Every wall had them. And we had three boys. So we broke it all the time. <laughs> Basketballs, footballs, baseballs. Um, and my mom was like really glamour shots. Like makeup nails big hair like all that stuff and then us kids would just like wreck everything <laughs> felt so bad she just got used to it she just started stepping over us and stopped caring but <laughs> did you, did, well that was i mean she'd get upset that was one of the things that we broke everything but there was these rules like we knew when we broke it that there was hell to pay my mom if you've ever seen the goldbergs beverly goldberg is my mom like we can do no wrong and so I think she was frustrated when she first started because you have to buy the stuff. But then she's like, I love you guys. Just have fun. I don't care. Wow. And so, yeah, we um, so my mom sold stuff and uh, we used to pack her orders like they, a semi truck would pull into my driveway and unload boxes. 
And then we'd have a whole packing system in the garage with like bar, not, not barcodes, but like a system, you know, yeah. like a numbering system. And I'd go pull an order and I'd be like, okay, I got to get four of these and two of these. And we'd pack it up and staple it. And then my mom would go deliver them or people would come pick them up. And that was a thing in the 80s. Mm, 80s wild. and 90s. Yeah. Kind of, kind of went by the wayside. You guys were the front runners for Amazon. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Uber drivers or DoorDash. Yeah, DoorDash. DoorDash, DoorDash, and, <laughs> DoorDash and votive cups and candles. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, and then what'd your dad do? So, my dad, uh, my dad worked in the laundry business and they did commercial laundry. So, he worked for Aramark, which did oh, commercial yeah. and Aero uniform. They would wash like the hospital uniforms, floor mats. Um, aprons from restaurants things like that big commercial big commercial laundry in cleveland so every day get up at like 5 a.m and like make that drive to cleveland it's like 40 minutes and then yeah just kind of grinded it out he was always like a plant manager supervisor type guy and uh but he was always there for us like he he is he's amazing my dad's my dad's awesome nice it just grinded it out do you feel like you're more like your dad or more like your mom? Um, I'm probably more like my mom, but I was always closer to my dad. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. My, yeah. my brothers are more like my dad and I'm probably more like my mom. But I don't know. I mean, they, they, they both had so much to do with us. Like, um, so my family, I come from a family of blue collar um, laborers. So drywall flooring, electrical, roofing. That's like my whole family. And I even hung drywall for a few years. My dad was a carpenter actually before he got into the factory. And so when he got into the factory, um, they made it a mission to send their three kids to college. And so I was the first one to go to college in my entire family. The oldest one. I'm the oldest. And they sent both of my brothers to college as well. And I remember when my youngest brother graduated, her, my mom's brother bought a plaque that said, we're so proud of you guys for doing this and like paving the way because nobody, we didn't know anything about college. I didn't know anything about college. Like it was all brand new. And so I was just really thankful for them and really proud of them. They always prioritized our, our life, even though they were busy. I mean, just, just barely making it by, but uh, you know, a lot of love and it was, it was very eighties. I mean, if you ever watch like stranger things or something, it's like, Kids playing in the street, riding bikes around, and I don't know. It was it was it was great. It was wonderful. What are what are some of your fondest memories from your childhood with your family or like even your siblings? Playing basketball in the driveway. Um, one of the things that really means so much to me now, you know, when you're a kid, you're going through life, but you don't understand how much people are putting into you or how much it takes somebody to come by and visit. And my uncles were always at my house playing basketball with me. Wow. And it was so close and, and refreshing. And so my dad would come home, he'd be tired. He'd go in, put on his basketball shorts, <laughs> come out and start setting picks. And we just, <laughs> we had a, a great neighborhood. Um, we played a lot of baseball and football and, and basketball. Um, but the coolest thing about all that is that my brother, my middle brother, and all his friends ended up going to AAU, 
Many of them got basketball scholarships. One of them played football at Ohio State. And whenever you talk to them, they always say, we like learned all of that athleticism playing basketball at the Bally's the driveway. Mm-hmm. And it was just till the lights till the lights came on or, or even after that, you know, till, till my mom would make me go to bed. <laughs> I just loved it. Wow. When, when you were in um, high school, you said, we talked a little bit about this. Um, you, you wrestled as well. Oh, man. I read, so I was a very small kid. You want me to tell that story? Yeah, because you're talking about playing basketball <clears throat> and playing with your sides. Right. Did they pick on you since you were the smallest? So, so, I, so I'm five years older than my middle brother. So we were the same size. So I wasn't smaller than him <laughs> until he hit like fifth grade. And then they started bodying me up. But um, I was a small kid and I started school early. Um, so my parents put me into school when I was four. I graduated when I was 17. And what that created was I was always a year behind um, my grade when I was playing sports. So yeah. if I was playing t-ball as an 11-year-old, I was actually in school with 12-year-olds mm-hmm. and 13-year-olds. So when I tried out for sports, I was too small. Like I was playing with kids that were a year or two younger than them. But I was extremely athletic, um, which I'll, which I'll, that's a little self-aggrandizing, but like I felt <laughs> like I was athletic enough, but just not big enough. Yeah. So I started getting involved in um, individual sports. So my uncle was a, was a wrestler in high school and he's like, you should wrestle. And I was like, are you kidding? So he took me down and, and taught me how to wrestle. And so I wrestled for my seventh, eighth and ninth grade years. Um, and I learned like a lot of character. Did you guys wrestle? You wrestled? David was a big time wrestler. I wrestled as well. Okay. What you learn in that room is like, hard to learn anywhere else. I know Justin talked about, I know we got a lot of wrestlers, like there's just no hiding. It's just, you have to face this and you will either face it or you will quit. And many kids quit. And I guess I just, I don't know. I I wanted to prove myself because I was little and I was like, there's no way you're ever going to, you're ever going to break me. So I was pretty good. Um, but the story I was telling upstairs is I want to wrestle off to wrestle against uh, St. Ed's as a freshman. And I was working out with the kids, uh, with the wrestlers all the time, 150 pounders, 160 pounders, 130 pounders. So we're running and wrestling. I mean, it's just sweaty, losing weight, cannot keep weight on me. So I go to weigh in and I wore my warm up sweatpants. And I weighed so low under the lightest weight possible. After I weighed in, the coach came over to my coach and said, he can't wrestle. By rule, he doesn't weigh enough to wrestle. And the kid that I beat ended up having to wrestle and he got pinned. (laughs) And I was like, I could have beat that kid, you know? (laughs) But it was like 15 pounds. Like I was 15 pounds under the lightest weight limit. You said the weight limit was like 98, right? Yeah, it was 98. And I weighed in at like... Like 83 pounds. Like 83 pounds. 80 right. pounds right in there as a freshman. So it's really small. And um, when I got my driver's license, I only weighed 112 pounds. But something I didn't share with you is that I was trying to find out how to use my athletic ability. So yeah. um, come 10th grade, I joined the marching band. And I didn't know what this thing was, but I saw this kid out in the field like twirling a staff, a giant staff. And I was like, what is this guy doing? His name was Mark Hill. 
And I Shout was like, Mark Hill, Mark Hill <laughs> wherever you are. Oh, and you're I, so twirling that staff. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what is that? And they're like, oh, that's a drum major. I was like, what does the drum major do? And they're like, well, the drum major leads the marching band. And I was like, I want to do that. And they're like, you do? And I was like, yeah, I want to do that. And I was a little kid. And uh, I had my 10th grade. So as a freshman, you can't be in the marching band at my high school. Marching band is like super awesome in my high school. Kind of like it is around Columbus school. So yeah. like Westerville's got a great marching band. Orange, where, I, where my kids go, have a great marching band. Um, so I went through that season and I loved it. I was like, marching band's awesome. And I was sitting in class one day and my director came and pulled me out of class and he brought me in a room and he said, Matt, would you like to be the drum major of the marching band? And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> How'd you know? Like... I would love that. And I was so little. I was like, I can't believe he's picking me. I'm just like this little kid. Like there's so many more popular, bigger, more athletic looking people, but he picked me. And so he said, we have a guy who was on the D road, Ohio state from Elyria, and we're going to pay him to coach you. And I was like, what do you know? Like, this is going to be sweet. So I immediately locked in and I started working out with this guy like nonstop. So I spent my whole uh, sophomore second year learning how to twirl this baton. And I loved it. I loved it. Um, I could use my athleticism. I could like, um, I don't know, it was coordination, it was hand-eye coordination. It was a lot of like jumping and moving around and it was individual. And I was like, this is, this is, this is so cool. So um, my junior year, um, we, wrote, we wrote the show. And I was awesome. I crushed it. I was like, this is, I was killing it. And um, my coach ended up contacting Ohio State. And they were like, who is this kid? We got to see this kid. So I'm getting better and better and better. And then my senior year, they're like, um, we want you to come down for camp. So they come down, put me up, take me to the game, take me to the box. And I'm like, Ohio State, like this is happening. Like what, you know? I, this is amazing. Like, I don't even, I've never been here. I don't even know what college is. I've never been to on a college campus and I'm watching this like spring football game. Like you guys want me to come down here? And they're like, yeah, we want you to come down here. So they came and saw me, um, perform at a high school game. And then I was hooked. I, I started going down to summer sessions. My dad would drive me down after work, two hours down for practice, two hours back up to home twice a week. Like, we're going to do this, Matthew. And I was like, yeah, we are. Dad. We're going to do this. And uh, yeah, so I came down and um, I crushed it. I was, you, you're a drum major at Ohio State? I was, I was the 50th drum major. And I was, yeah. They didn't, the they didn't have this on the major. internet when I looked you up. It's on there. Also, <laughs> you also won't believe how many Matt volleys there are in the planet. Like, there's so many of them. <laughs> So yeah, I kind of fast forward a little bit through my childhood, but no, that's, um, that's a little bit of the story about kind of what, yeah, how I evolved through that. So and I played tennis, I ran track, I ran cross country, um, but drum majoring was, I just found it. Wow. And you were the first in your family to go to college. First to go to college. And you were- And I went to Ohio State. As the 50th the And Ohio I was the State. 50th drum major. Yeah, wow. I was the 50th drum major. I have so many questions about that. Like, um, so first, when you were in high school and you saw this kind of trajectory of you, like being able to be 
the drum major at Ohio State. Is that what kicked off your thought of, oh, I'm actually going to go to college? Mm. And if so, like, did you think of what your degree was going to be, like, besides the drum major stuff? Can I share a different perspective on that? That sounds great. And then I will will be happy to. So I was shy, and I was... I had a chip on my shoulder. I was a little kid. Like I was just a small, small guy. Um, all my friends in my neighborhood were younger than me. They weren't really in school with me. I was kind of the older one, kind of going and trying to find my way. And when that this happened, I started to like blossom as a person. I started to learn different relationships and get in. I mean, I went from like nobody knowing me to like the homecoming king guy like it was a trajectory of popularity that i didn't understand and i think it shaped a lot of how i looked at things from um from one side of the situation to the to to the other side of the situation and i think what that's done for me as an adult now is to take the time to look at things from all the different angles those people that i became friends with it was like one of those 90s movies. Like, oh, now, oh, Matt, like, where'd you, are you new here? Like, I've been going to school here for like 10 years. Like, <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? Like, you weren't paying attention to, to me before. And now yeah. that I have this thing, mm-hmm. you like want to be my friend. And I want to be your friend too, because like I always wanted to be over here. But like, there's a lot of people that aren't. And so I feel like I've always been somebody to befriend the person that's a little shy over in the corner. And like really be empathetic. I have a lot of friends that that are that way, that like maybe don't have a lot of friends that I reach out to and, and try to I don't know, like help them feel more comfortable or unlock maybe their confidence and say, Hey, like, come on over here. Like it's people are people and you don't have to be afraid. And I would be happy to like show you. And like part of that helped me, I think, become more of a leader in that position. And then like from that 10th grade year of being picked as the drum major, I've been a leader like the rest of my life, which is real weird to think about. And it's weird to, it's, it's, it's the position that I now just assume a lot. I don't know, kind of awkward. No, that's, that's an interesting perspective how it's, it's great that you can, see it from even the, you can see that thing from even both sides it's like it's like a self-fulfilling you I'm can very, see that story from both sides i'm very much the person that when we're sitting in the room and i see that like you're not talking i'd be like what what do you think about this or how are you doing well like can i be your partner in class today or like are you okay um just because i i think i've worn different hats and so I think everybody thinks they wear different hats. So it's probably my own perspective, but. Do you think it's because maybe it, me hearing your story of you see someone not being heard? Like you see someone's um, thoughts, life, and even just like their personality not being heard or expressed. And you want to see what's, what's there for them. Because it sounds like to you, your, um, I, I don't know the person, the, the person that l- was leading the marching band or whatever picked you said, Hey Matt, I want 
I want to see what you have and heard you and listened to you and poured into you. And like, it sounds like if it wasn't for him, man, that like would not have opened a ton of doors for you. My life would have gone a totally different path. Yeah. Um, yeah, it would have. To be in front of people... It's not all good. When you're expected to be something, you become that something. And I noticed in myself a division in my personality where I've got the person that's out front and I've got the person that's back at home. And I think for many years, those were two different people that I'm now working to bring to into the same person. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I was always the one to kind of, you know, make sure my... I looked a certain way or I was clean cut or I was well-spoken or I was, which I think you are normally, but I don't, maybe I was cutting it up at home or I was like, maybe even revolting against that personality a little bit in my private life. Like, I don't want to be that all the time. I want to just like, one of my dreams was always to just like be in a dart league and a bowling league and go to work at a factory every day because that's just not pressure. Mm-hmm. And so you're like kind of being put in pressure, but then also wanting to not be in be almost the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think for a long time, I was trying to just kind of merge those two people together. How, how long did you, were you the drum major at Ohio State? So Ohio State, you can only be the drum major for two years. Okay. I was the drum major for two years. Um, and so some, uh, I worked out with this kid in high school. He was a year ahead of me. He went to Ohio State and became the assistant drum major, which only happened because there weren't anybody else trying out. <laughs> I then came in and he was the assistant drum major. And I was part of a thing called D-Row. So you're not allowed to be the drum major unless you've been in band one year. And you can't lead the whole band if you've never done it. Yeah. So you got to do it. You have to do something the first year. And that first year is called D-Row, and it's just training rows. You carry ladders, you fill drinks, you practice. That's all you do. You grind out and you practice. He ended up, I ended up blowing my ACL. So I got really, really good my freshman year. All I I had to do was practice. Like, that's all I did all the time. And I was creating, like, new things to do. There's, like, there's things that I've created that they do now, and you're like, that's I, I invented that or I invented this because you just had time to work. It was like a lab and I was ready to beat him and become the drum major. And November of that year, I was playing basketball and I turned sideways. I came down and I blew my ACL out oh. and it was hard. Like, and, and I was complaining about running this morning. Like I will be wrecked for a few days when I run just because I have so much arthritis in my knees and bone spurs and all that stuff. But I blew my knee out in in November and the tryouts were in April. So I quickly got surgery and I just started rehabbing like incessantly. And I made it all the way back to tryouts and I still think I beat him, but they said I didn't. So he was the drum major and I was the assistant. Yeah. Um, that only happened one year. So the next year we tried out again and I beat him and he became my assistant. Oh, that's. And then we tried it? out again and I beat him again. Did he do it? Can I ask, what is, what is this tryout like? 
Is it like you v him? Is like, it like death with sticks? Yeah, is it like... They're going at the same time? Here's so, what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of like sort of like a dance battle to death. Because <laughs> that's, that's what's uh, going on. Yeah, like Zoolander. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. I'm totally Let's go! And then you hit it with the blue steel, and it's over. <laughs> and it's over. Yeah, so the tryouts, we do them every year. I, I judge them now. Um, it's a full ramp entrance, which is like pregame, which you strut. You got to like kick down the field. And then you do like a routine to a song. And then you got to throw like five. They're called high tosses, but just like sky sky throws. And then whoever can do the best. There's judges. There's like 20 judges. You can, can score. 20? Can you, still, can you still like throw it around and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like oh, you go yeah. out there and like still spank some people. Yeah, dang, I think so. I don't know. I'm getting pretty old now. I thought you were 37. So. CrossFit, <laughs> yeah, yeah. CrossFit, functional <laughs> fitness, baby, functional fitness, wow. drum majoring. Wow, twenty judges. Yeah, so there's uh, all Dude, of Ohio the state's some good bands, yeah, man. It's no joke. The best band in the land. So they have all the directors, the past drum majors, and then some high school directors from around the area. Wow. So yeah, I put all the scores in, and then. Yeah, so I was a drum major for two years, and then the second year, I blew my other knee out. And oh, I blew wow. my knee out in May, and the first game was in September. And my director called me, and he's like, Matt, we're going to have to bench you. And I was like, no, you're not. Like, I'm going back to work. So I went back to the lab. I had my therapist, and we just grinded every day for, like, hours and hours and hours. It was hard. It was, it was hard. So I, so I came back in three months, and I was at the first game. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was tough. It was tough. And uh yeah, that was that was Ohio State. Wait, and what, year, this... what years was this again? Nineteen hundreds. It's in the nineteen hundreds. <laughs> so nineteen ninety-nine and two thousand. I was the head okay. major of the marching band. I was born in nineteen ninety nine. Oh yeah, hey. Well, <laughs> you might have been you know entering into the world while yeah you know you i was could. in rehab oh. <laughs> working on my knee yeah. Yeah. what did what did you uh major at Ohio State? so i was so obsessed with being the drum major school was like okay we'll try this so i tried to get into the business school and i didn't and i ended up majoring in consumer finance um yeah so for me it was all about you better graduate in four years because we can't afford to help you any further than that. And I was like, I don't really, you know, how can I get out of here in four years? And I graduated in four years and one quarter. And I went into sales. Well, that's kind of a whole separate story. But uh, yeah, from there, I just had to kind of like start making my life. And I met my wife during college. And yeah, yes. college. Well, hold on. Didn't did Ohio State not give you any like scholarships for being a drum major? So when I was in marching band, there was not a scholarship, but we have since established a full ride if you're the head drum major, and you get a half ride if you're the assistant drum major. That's legit. Yeah, shout out to the shout out to the marching band. The marching band is so good. Like if you guys haven't watched them, it's I don't even know how they do what they do, and I was in it. It's 196 people march, 225 people in the band. And somebody can try out against you every week and you can lose your spot. Dang, that is crazy. I mean, there are two extra people in every group that are just staring at you all week. Like, I'm going to beat you next week and you're going to have to sit. And that's how you keep, that's how you stay the best. Mm. They learn a new show every week, memorize all their music, 
I mean, they're just they're just incredible. I mean, you I'm, I'm sure many people listening to this have watched the shows, but it's absolutely amazing what they're able to pull off. And I feel so proud to be part of it. I mean, it just it means so much to me. That's my so my tattoo is the Diamond Ohio, which is like the marching band logo. Um, it's also the a logo of OU's marching band, uh, the 100, but Ohio State had it first. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just I I'm really really fortunate that I get to do that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So while you're you know in the marching band, you're out there in the football field. All the honeys were coming up to you, be like, Matt, Matt, look, it's Matt. Is that is that how it happened with you, Robin? Not exactly. She was like, You see me? It's me. Like in um I'm trying to think of a good movie, romantic movie. Continue your story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is the story uh about Robin and I. Um we Just to be clear, your your wife's name, how do you spell it? R-O-B-Y-N. Y N. Iron. Iron. I definitely would have hit him with iron. This is why I cried up. R O B Y N. The way you said Robin, <clears throat> the way you said Robin, you could tell they were spelled differently. <laughs> um, so we were studying for finals. My roommates and I were studying for finals, and my roommate worked at Bob Evans. And he said, My girlfriend's waitressing. We could go up there and get some free food. And I was like, a broke college student. So I'm like, sweet, let's go get some free food. I also worked at Bob Evans, by the way. Shout out to Bob's. One of like Olin Tangy. So we go in and I see his girlfriend, and she's like, I'm over in this section. And as we're walking by, I see Robin like behind the counter as a waitress, new waitress. And um she comes up to us and I immediately go, Who is this new girl like back here? Oh, that's Robin. She just started. Okay. I need to talk to her. Like, I need to talk to her. And I never do that. Um, and she's like, okay, y'all have her come out. So we're sitting there studying. And all of a sudden, she comes out with Robin as her trainee. And Robin's holding a pot of coffee. She's like, do you need a fill up? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, girl. Like, I need <laughs> I need some coffee, you know? I need a fill up. And I was obsessed. Like, I mean, I fell in love with her, like, immediately. Immediately. So we finished studying, and I just am, like, obsessed. And we get up to pay, and I'm like, here, take my money. I got to go talk to this waitress. So I walk up to her, and I'm like, hey, like, when are you, when are you working again? Maybe I'll, come, maybe I'll come back in here. And she's like, oh, you know, I'm working on Saturday or whatever day it was. And I was like, okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. We leave. And I'm just thinking about her, thinking about her. Like, how am I going to do this? And uh, I get home that night. I call my mom and I said, mom, I met the girl that I'm going to marry. And she's like, what? And I said, <laughs> yeah, I just met her. I just met her today. I don't know how this is going to happen, but I, but I know it's going to happen. What year is this? Uh, sophomore this year? This is 1999. <laughs> so no, this is year. 2000. Sorry, 2000. You're I was a junior. Yeah. So, uh. Later that night, I log onto my computer and she sent me an email. She looked my name up um, on the Ohio State web like thing, 
Bali three at OSU.edu. I was about to ask you your dot number. I was going to ask three at OSU.edu, whatever it was. And she's like, I'm very shy, but I just want you to know, like, I think you're cute. And I was like, Yeah, bro, bro, she's Snapchatting you. I didn't even. Yeah, she's Snapchatting you, bro. No, she did. Oh, she did. That's crazy. That just added a whole new level to your life. Yes. Oh man. <laughs> like, how can this be? Like, I, this is amazing. <laughs> I walked downstairs. I'm like, high five with my roommates. Like, we got to slow play this perfect, you know? So we end up going on spring break for the week. Just a bunch of dudes like going to Cancun, you know, it was 19 or 2000. And the whole time, all I could think about was, was Robin. And so we came back and uh, I went in there and sat at the counter and she like waited on me and we're flirting all cute. I left. Two days later, I come back in, sat, I sat at the counter again. We're flirting all cute. The next day, I walk in with my uniform on. And she's like, you work here? And I was like, oh, yeah, I work here. <laughs> like, and from then on, like, it was just like, cutesy this, cutesy that. You want to go study? The wrinkle in the whole situation is that I had a girlfriend. What? <laughs> so you called your mom, telling yep. her you met the girl you're gonna marry, <laughs> and you had a girlfriend. At the time. I had a girlfriend. What did your mom say when you said that? Like, what? Do you, what? Do you... <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Yeah, Siri. Siri answered it for you. <laughs> My mother. My mom's huh? like, you got, you got to break up with that girlfriend. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I break up this girlfriend. So I just started like creating ridiculous reasons why we couldn't get along. Wow. Like, one day we like come home and. I remember she like shut the door and I was like, why'd you shut the door so loud? You know, you're always shutting the door so loud. <laughs> like, she's like, what? And I'm like, I think I need some space. <laughs> oh this, my is, God. this is, this is not going to work for me. Oh my goodness. And, uh, but I didn't, I didn't want to like, I didn't want to cheat on anybody or anything like that. It was just kind of like, you know, naturally working its way. I mean, it's over just a couple of weeks of time. It wasn't like yeah. a long drag on or anything. And so. That's yeah, dating, right? I like when broke up with her and then I was like, hey, guess who's free? Like, let's go study. And uh, yeah, we, it was uh, it was wonderful. It's wonderful. It's still wonderful. Like we've been married for 20 years. Um, we like never fought. Just perfect. Um, yeah, I love her. So you got married in 2003. <laughs> yeah. What happened between uh, when you graduated college? That time. So I graduated school and I was like, hey, like I, I, I need to move home. I told my parents I was I was going to come home. I'm really missing my brothers. My brothers are going through high school right now and I want to be there for them. So I need to move home. And she was like, I will move home with you. Like, wow, I'll, I'll change schools. And I was like, yes, OK, this is going great. Bro, she really likes you. Yeah. And she moved in with us and she transferred to Cleveland State. And I was like, I was like living the dream. I graduated college. I got a job. I'm playing video games at night with my brothers. My, my girlfriend's staying here with us. Like we're hanging out, going on dates. But after a few months, she was like, this is not working for me. Like, I'm in this bro house and you guys are just like, you know, playing video games. And like, I need to, I think I need to move home to my, to my, with my dad. And I was like, no, you don't like it. Where was home for her? She's from Dayton, Ohio, Beaver Creek. Yep. And she's like, I think I'm going to go move home uh, and work with my dad for the summer. And I was like, I think that we need to get engaged because <laughs> that's not happening. 
And so we moved out. We got an apartment. I proposed to her. Bought her a dog. Surprised <laughs> her with a dog and a ring on the dog. And yeah, we moved into North Olmstead and she said yes at an apartment. But we were grinding, you know. She was still going to school. She was waitressing tables. I was working a sales job making like no money. And we were just kind of getting by, you know, just trying to figure it out. But I also didn't care. Like we have each other. Yeah. Like we have each other. Like what could go wrong? It'll be fine. And there were some tough times and, uh, but you know, we were able to, to get through it and uh, I was able to buy a house and we got Robin through school. Her sister moved in with us at one point because she was kind of trying to find direction. And uh, yeah, one day I come home and she's like, we got to talk. And I was like, what do we got to talk about? She's like, come upstairs. We're pregnant. <laughs> I was like, holy moly, this is going fast. <laughs> and I was 24. Wow. So like 2004, 2005? Yeah. 20, 2004. November 28th, 2004, Reagan was born. Dang. So life was cooking. Life was cooking. A lot of stuff happened. And, you know, I, I felt young at the time, but I also just felt like I was doing life. I mean, you're doing life right now. You don't feel a certain way. I'm like, I can do this. I can handle this. You just kind of take on what you can handle. Um, That's awesome. A <laughs> little quick. Yeah. The uh, So, and then, so you had Reagan. And and you're still up north, right? Yep. So I moved home. We lived in Elyria. We had Reagan. Trying to get Robin through school still. So um, while she's pregnant, she's still going through school. While she's pregnant, she's going through school. And uh, we ended up, yeah, we had Reagan. We got, she got, she graduated. She ended up um, going into early childhood education. Okay. Got a job in Avon Lake working at a, working at a school as like an assistant preschool director. And uh, it allowed us to like, between her schooling and her jobs, we could take care of Reagan. We didn't have to pay for childcare or anything. We kind of balanced things with the schedule, which was really nice. Yeah. Reagan got a wonderful education because her mom's working at a preschool. So like, yeah, I mean, what better. Robin is such a caring person. The reason I fell in love with her is because I knew that she would be able to nurture and guide and like, and mentor and friend she knew how to take care of kids like she literally majored in early childhood education she's one of six she helped raise her her siblings and uh it, that's what happened like we she is a wonderful mom um did a wonderful job raising reagan when you had you know, reagan was there any part of you that was um i'm sure there was but was there any part of you that was nervous or like slightly worried because you came from old brothers or family yeah. from old brothers yeah yeah i don't i only know how to hang out with boys <laughs> what what do you mean i'm having a girl <laughs> how are we going to do this <laughs> dude i'll never forget like walking into the ultrasound room and being like just in the back of my mind i didn't even think it out loud but just like totally i've been around boys my whole life i've been you know mentoring younger boys forever like we can do this this is totally fine and they're like having a girl and i thought i remember thinking oh shit i'm gonna be a dad <laughs> like like what's and just like just all the th the thoughts of 
just feeling unprepared of how to raise a daughter. Robin is like, are you okay? Like, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, what you don't you, know what you're doing anyways, but. Yeah, and I don't think, uh, we, so, do you love being a girl dad? It's the best. Yeah. It's the best. And I remember taking Reagan to, like, the mall playground. Yeah. And I was like, okay, honey, let's play with the kids. And these boys are just like, smash, slam, fling. And I'm hovering around her like a wall, like a, like a floating halo. Like, what is wrong with these kids? Like, <laughs> meanwhile, you know, we were totally those kids. Um, oh, yeah. My brothers. No, I almost, I was, like, I thought, I remember thinking, am I, well, I go to jail. <laughs> If nobody sees me punch this kid on the playground, because <laughs> you have some kid that's like, like bouldering through and like size himself up to Liliana, and I like, I was like, this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break this kid's rib, and no one's gonna know I did it. Like this, and I'm, and <laughs> it's just like just instant rage. Yeah, you know. But then you had another girl. Well, let me let me share. Let me, if you can't, if I can, just share a quick, yeah. quick life lesson. So I was so excited to be a dad. And I just really, <laughs> I was just so excited. So when Robin would work at night, I would take Ryan on, or Reagan out on dates. And we would go to like restaurants and stuff. Yeah. And I remember her being like a year and a half uh, old. And I took her to the Olive Garden. And I'm there at like this Olive Garden dinner. And she's just screaming. Yeah. Like she doesn't want to go to the Olive Garden. <laughs> she has no, and people would come by and say, Oh, your baby's so cute. And I would think, Oh, that's so nice. But Reagan like hated it. She like a little kid doesn't want to sit and be quiet and wait for breadsticks and like salad. I thought I was like creating a memory with her, but I realized I was doing it for me and mm. not for her. And, I, and it kind of shifted my position on things. Mm. Like I need to do things that she likes doing. Yeah. Like she just wants to like throw spaghetti or throw macaroni and cheese around on her high chair. Yeah. And like play ball on the floor. Why am I making it this big thing to kind of take her to the Olive Garden or, you know, whatever it was at the time. Yeah. And uh, that was kind of one of the early shifts in my, in my mindset of like, this is, I don't know everything. Like I, I think I know everything. I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. And I've learned a lot more since <laughs> several more, several more realizations from that. <laughs> yeah and so yeah, yeah so a few years went by and um and then ryan was born in 09 okay and i thought for sure ryan was gonna be a boy yeah. like 100 percent, ryan's gonna be a boy and ryan was not a boy and my wife goes we're not having any more kids so if you want to name your kid ryan we're naming her ryan and i was like really like i didn't think i never thought of ryan ryan is the name of my best friend um both in high school and in college two two best friends both named Ryan and Ryan's name is Ryan with two N's uh, for both of my best friends. But I thought it'd be a boy. I thought she'd be a boy. Yeah. And she's like, no, let's name it. Let's, let's name her Ryan. And I was like, okay, sweet. And so we named her Ryan. And of course she hated her name when she was little yeah. and now she loves it. <laughs> yeah. She loves it. She two ends as well. Two ends. Yeah. She meets other Ryans and she's like, I met another Ryan, you know, finds kinship there. I think she likes having a different name and definitely helped her personality. Yeah. Kind of stick out, you know? Yeah. Man. So was Ryan born here or when did you move here? So Ryan was born in Elyria Memorial Hospital. So was Reagan in 09. And we moved here in 2011. Okay. 
So I moved to Columbus because Reagan was going into public school and the schools up there were not great. And uh, the schools down here are really great. And Robin's big into education. And I knew I was at a point in my career where I was probably only going to move maybe one more time. You know, you get to that point in your life where you're like, you want to you want to yeah. lock in. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, Reagan was five and Ryan was one. They, we didn't have to lock in quite yet. And so I was like, okay, let's make a move. And uh, I got a few job offers in different areas, but my friends from college are still down here. Robin's family lives here now in Columbus. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of made like a more easy move. Sure. She wishes we had a move to Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm glad we moved here. We right. her family. My brother lives in Columbus too, so. And so I feel like there's so many questions about the 20 years of marriage. You have a, you have a kid that's, you have, I mean, two kids that are, you've experienced so much of life. I mean, if you were to, if you were to call yourself, like you're, you're like, give yourself a call when you're sitting in your parents' basement and you're playing video games and you're like, <laughs> Hey, this is future Matt. You are going to, you know, marry Robin and have two kids and it's going to be awesome. Here are some things that you should know now so you don't have to learn the hard way. Or just, hey, make sure you remember this. This is a keeper. What would you say? Like lottery ticket numbers, like stuff yeah. like that, right? <laughs> Browns winning the Super Bowl in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> you know, stuff that's a guarantee. Yes. I yes. Gotcha. Well, I Well, I wrote a few things down because I, I was trying to think about how would I how would I talk to myself it's interesting thinking about that right I mean I know you guys ask people this a lot but like what would it be like to go say hi to yourself there was a movie with Ryan Reynolds when he's like I'm you from the future and he's like prove it I don't know it's on Netflix yeah on Netflix but I'm totally gonna watch it it's good it's like my kind of movie it's a tearjerker right it's the there's a little he's a little kid right yeah dude that is tough so how old am I you're 44. No, how old am I when I go back? <laughs> You're going to be 23. 23. No, no, sorry, 24. 24. 24? Okay. Yeah. This is what I would tell my 24-year-old self. Go visit a national park. Go visit a national park. Get out of your, get out of your headspace for a minute and go see what's out there because the world mm-hmm. is so expansive. And I didn't visit my first national park until I was 40. And it, it, it is amazing. Many people have gone, but like, go do that. Any specific, like, hey, you should try this one first, National Park? Our first trip, we did the Utah chain, which I know some people at our gym have done, but it's like Zion, Canyonlands, um, Bryce Canyon. That's all amazing. But really, every every year, I plan a vacation to go to a National Park. Wow. So this year, we just hit Glacier National Park in Alaska. Yeah. Last year, we did um, Washington um mount rainier up there but we do a park every year and i wish i would have started that a long time ago yeah um because there's so many there's 65 of them to get through so it would take a while i would tell myself to set a goal to learn a new skill every year or two like time goes by fast but it's slow enough that you can always be learning a new thing and i'm so inspired by my daughter reagan She's only a freshman in college, but every year she's decided to learn a new thing. 
And she's almost like a renaissance person. She taught herself to cook. She taught herself to play the piano. She taught herself to sew. She got big into yoga. She does things to like push her own boundaries of interests that she finds. Um, and I and I do that. I get deep into stuff. I mean, I got into CrossFit and stuff, but like, I wish I would be intentional about it. I wish I would sit down. I should sit down right now and say, okay, for the next six years, what are the three things I want to learn and get in new, new skill, not improve, new. Because I think new rewires your brain. It keeps you young. It keeps you thinking. It challenges you. So often at this time in my life, I'm seeing the same thing over and over again. It's like the same situation. I know how to handle it. Um, but I think learning new things would be I love that one because really I feel like it also humbles you. Uh, it puts you in the mindset again of, I don't have it figured out. Right. And I, and I think that's a space that I find very uncomfortable um, when I'm in a position where it's like, oh, I don't have everything figured out. I don't know what I'm doing and why do I keep failing? Yeah. And those are the times that you look back on so fondly of when you were growing. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of going back to the wrestling thing, or kind of going back to like my knee surgeries. When you have to overcome something, you rise to another level. It's hard to push yourself to when you're not, when you're not challenged. So for Robin and I, like I'm, I'm going through a transition in my life where we're moving away from kids. Like Reagan's in college now and Ryan's getting very busy. So what are we going to get into? So I'm constantly looking for new things. So I think we're going to pick up archery is what we decided to try. <laughs> yeah. We'll that sounds how, so fun. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I, I would like to map out a few different things over the next, I guess, forever, right? Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Age that you can't, you can't get into it. Yeah. What are you? I was going to say, you should pick up fencing. Fencing? <laughs> yeah. That's a good I bet I'd be sweet. <laughs> Um, I would tell myself to stay in touch with my friends more, check in more. Yeah. Don't let relationships go long without saying, Hey, Mm. like, I think that kind of Luke's really good at that. Like he's really good at checking in and top tier, top tier. Some of my friends, I got, I have this one friend that he'll just randomly call me and I'll probably only answer his call half the time because I'm busy, but like, it's so nice that he doesn't text me. He doesn't want to text me. He wants to talk to me. Yeah. That means so much. I actually am going through another thing right now where I've been writing letters to people and I have a book. I don't know if you guys have heard of it called letters from dad. No. So it's a story about how this guy's dad passed away and he didn't really have anything from him. And he was really mad about it. But then he also thought if I died right now, what would my kids have from me? And he talks about how to connect with people on a different level. Um, Sitting down and just writing a letter like by hand, to anybody. I'm, I've been writing them. I wrote one to Reagan when she went to school. I wrote one to my wife a couple weeks ago. I'm going to write one to Ryan. But I think I'm going to write one to my parents, too. Just to let them know that I took time to stop everything I was doing, sit down, and put my thoughts around that person. And then maybe they you know, will have it or hang on to it or who knows what they'll do with it. But it's not really about that. It's about It's about them knowing that I cared enough to do it. I think um, the writing letters thing is really, really fun. It's one of one of my favorite things to do. But the thing about writing letters is you get to really, like, you really get to cherish the person. Hmm. You get to say, how has this person really, like, impacted my life? You really get to think about um, what unique personality, how they've cherished and cared for you and pushed you. 
It's a lot of fun. I would recommend not using a typewriter. Uh, one time, I was like, <laughs> I'm going to write a letter to Grace on a typewriter. I don't know how people used that thing back then. It is the worst <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> Tyler got a type. <laughs> Did really? you really? With the white strips, you'd have to go hit the button. The oh same my letter gosh. to light it back out. Oh yeah. That's, That's how, how you learn. Like. Dude, I was cranking that thing. But if you go too fast, it all gets stuck. <laughs> Where'd you find this typewriter? Uh I, I literally my buddy found one from a thrift store. He was like, hey, look what I found. Yeah. And I was like, I'm probably use that. Probably wasn't oiled up, right? I you was... like hit two at the same time and it sticks. Yeah, like, what, what's, what's that on? dude Gutenberg? No, that was the printing press. That oh, that guy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> But yeah, the typewriter, such a fascinating thing. But That's super interesting that you say that about um, like letters from dad and uh, just like what are your kids going to know of you, especially as your kids get older. And I think that um, I would, I, I think about it in my relationship to my own parents and the fact that uh, recently I had one of my uncles pass away and he was a writer. And so I read one of his books for the first time, I knew he was a writer and he's a pretty well-known writer, but like I read one of his books and it was memoirs. So stories about his life Wow. that I am now learning for the very first time after I can no longer talk to him. And some of them are about my mom's family and how my mom's mom died and the traumatic experience it was for him in the, like, and so it's such a ultra personal part of his life that I realized that I never, I, I wish I could go back and say, hey, will you tell me about this? Yeah. Or like, and then some of it's stuff about him playing baseball or him playing things that, that I think, man, like what are my kids, uh, what am I leaving for my kids? Or are there spaces in which I can tell them things that they don't know to ask mm-hmm. of me? You know, in that, because I think that's, yeah, what not just for your kids, but for the people that are around you. When Reagan went to college um, just a few weeks ago, it was really like a monumental change in my life. And I didn't know what to do. And I just decided I'm going to write this letter. And when I wrote the letter to her, it really made me think about feelings I hadn't shared with her before. Mm -hmm. Like maybe I just assumed she knew that I learned from her, but I never said it because I'm her dad. Yeah. But she taught me a lot and like how proud I am of her. Like, I think you say it, but you kind of say it like, good job. Not like you're like, you're a beautiful person and I'm, and I'm so happy and proud of you. And like, I just cried a lot when I was writing it. And like, to your point though, about the, the writing, um, I made a lot of edits to it. I like tried to make it perfect. And when I thought about that in retrospect, I wish I had kind of thought down about what I wanted to write and kind of one-shotted it straight from the heart. Yeah. Because I think I made edits that maybe I wish I would have put back in or like Mm -hmm. it became more of a press, you know, you don't want it to become a press release. You want it to just become from you. Yeah. But it still um, really helped me. It helped me kind of go through that change. So with your younger one, with Ryan, when she leaves for uh, college, are there things that stick out that you say, man, I would really want her to know this, like have this wisdom about life, or to, I really want her to be this certain type of person, 
or skills, even like I want to make sure that she knows how to change a tire yeah. or things that you say, man, before you leave my house, I want to make sure you've experienced this formidable thing. Mm-hmm. And the things that come to the top of mind where you think, man, I, I want to make sure that what before she leaves my care, this is, this is what I've given her. I'm really impressed. I didn't realize how influential we are to our kids in nonverbal ways. And I think when we were found out we were going to have Reagan, a lot of people asked us like, what do we, what do you hope that she'll be? And we would always say just like a really nice, kind, cool person. And I think Robin and I try to be nice, kind, cool people and to see them evolve and naturally pick up a lot of those tendencies has been amazing. And this experience that we've put them in in Columbus and their school systems and the opportunities that they get are, are incredible. I think one thing that I would like her to hone in on is like getting through hardship and understanding how to like grind, like grind through it. I think sometimes life can be easy and like, Getting your kids in a space where you're comfortable with them um, going through that and seeing how they how they persevere mm-hmm. is it's hard to create that situation, I think, at times, and I'd love for her to experience that. And unfortunately, she just blew out her ACL. So I'm gonna have a lot of mentorship with her, uh, having blown both of mine out, and she has surgery in a couple weeks. And mm-hmm. it'll be a great opportunity for me to kind of help her through that and mentor her on what is hard. And, uh, I really enjoy sharing experiences with her. I love when she comes to the gym with me because it's not me being her dad. I'm just working out next to her and I'm modeling behavior. Like, like we're grinding here and I'm dying over here (laughs) and you can do this. I know you can do this because I can do this. We can both do this. And coach Luke's coaching her. It's not her dad telling her what to do. And I find that to be like a real learning opportunity. Like I want to, I want to, I want to be her dad, but I also want to be like just somebody that she respects for being who I am, not because I'm her dad. And so like those opportunities, I, I need to make sure I'm taking advantage of. And so, yeah, I, I think we'll see how this goes. And we've got a few years of high school left where she's going to be pushing some boundaries and it'll give me a chance to see where we can uh, coach her, coach her through some stuff. I love what you said about, um, kind of mirroring an example Um, because when I look and this is something that Grace and I had to kind of work through a little bit when we went to premarital counseling stuff I didn't realize how much of who I am is made up and this sounds super obvious but a lot of the stuff that I do is for my parents and it's crazy all the small little nuances all the good straight up all the bad right it's it's crazy like I think the, one of the reasons why I do such a good job, or I try to at least, to take care of Grace, is because I watched my dad do it. Like, my dad really cared for my mom well. Um, I watched my dad, like, my work ethic, a lot of that comes from my dad. Dude grinded hard. And that's the one of the small things that I saw of, like, my dad doesn't want to do this, but he still did it. So for me, it's just like, that's... What a man does. Like, if you don't want to do something, you 
still suck it up and do it. Yeah. You know, uh, or like even small things of like my, when my dad goes to leave to work, he writes my mom a little note, but then you also get the bad too, right? Of like how someone reacts in situations, anger, conversation. It's, it's crazy. All the stuff that I picked up from my parents, but I can say at least for my parents, like I'm thankful because I've picked up a lot of good. And there's also things that I'm like, ah, okay, I'll, I'll steer away from that, you know? So. Yeah. I mean that your kids watch you so closely and it's the little stuff. Like when you're walking down the mall uh, and you see some trash and you just pick it up and throw it away, it's just the right thing to do. You know, I mean, all of us would do it, but then when you're walking down the mall and down the hall in the mall and you see your daughter pick up the trash and throw it away, I didn't tell her to do that. She just goes, Oh, this is the right thing to do. And yeah, that's, we're so, it's so impactful and the bad, like, you know, it's, yeah. Is there, I, I uh, want to make sure I didn't cut you off if there's any other piece of advice that you would give your younger self. I know I jumped into. Well, so I'll tell you with Reagan, I really wanted her to be an athlete because I was into sports. My brothers are into sports. Um, and so she played softball and she played club soccer and, uh, I was taking, we were taking her all the time and she was doing great. And sometime around, I think she played for seven or eight years and our relationship started going really south. Um, Like really, really frustratingly bad. And I didn't know what was going on. Um, And I, somebody recommended to me the five languages of love um, for kids. And I read it, and I had no idea what that meant, but I realized that I had been pushing her away with how I was expressing my love to her. And what I was doing is after practice, we would talk about what went good and what went bad. And anytime I would talk about what we could improve on, she saw it as me being critical of her and started asking me to not drive her home or not come to practice. Uh, And I was heartbroken, like, what's going on? And I wasn't connecting with, I I realized she didn't want that. She just wanted me to talk to her about anything else or just, like, she didn't care. She, She just was showing up and playing her sport. But for so many years, I would come home and my dad and I would talk about, like, you could have tried harder. You did a great job. It's not that it's all bad. It's just like, so, so kind of going back to the drum major thing, when you're in an individual role trying to improve, you've got to be your own judge. You've, and I've learned to be very hard on myself. I think a lot of us at the gym are. You're like, I could have done, you leave and you know, you know what you did. Yeah. You know what you did. And so my whole life is built around you know. life. <laughs> you know that you were in the middle of workout, stopped to drop two pounds of poop. That was absolutely, without a doubt, the right choice, by the way. Without a doubt. Sometimes it is the right choice. Yeah. And so I thought Reagan needed that, and she didn't. And uh, huh. I think when she was like 13, uh, 12, 13, we had a real bad relationship. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it broke my heart. And I, and I read that, and I learned, and I, and I changed my style of feedback, and I kind of changed the way that we communicated. And uh, it made our relationship different than I ever thought it would, but awesome, like amazing she's awesome like how could I you think you know everything and again I was taught like she's gonna find answers that I didn't know existed 
and she's solving problems in ways I didn't know were possible. And uh, she's always been very intentional about what she wants to do and really confident in her choices. And she's, she's grown into just a beautiful, a beautiful woman. Wow. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, like, I mean, and, and even the five languages of love thing, going back to your own, like your relationship with your wife or your friends or even my employees, like I can't treat everybody the same. Like everybody, you know, we have our like feedback sessions and people sometimes feel like they're underappreciated and it's just that maybe they're not being appreciated the right, the right way. Some people like to talk up, some people don't. Um, I think, you know, earlier you were saying about reaching out to the person that doesn't talk at our gym. There's people that talk and there's people that don't talk. Mm-hmm. And those people that don't talk have something to say. Yep. Like take a minute to go. I know you guys are. I mean, you guys are interviewing folks, which is great, but I mean, Luke's, Luke's known me for a while. Very often I find the, the new person and try to become their buddy. You're like, hey, let me help you here. This is going to be hard. Yeah. But you can get through it. I spent like a year just like sobbing on my floor when I started CrossFit, <laughs> trying to build up the muscle endurance to get through three classes a week. <laughs> it's, it's shocking. So. so I did have a question about the, uh, I ask about love languages a lot. I was going to ask on your behalf. Oh, yeah. But no, you were up. Yeah. So I ask our guests often what their love languages are. And I think I know what yours are. But Can I guess? Is your number one words of affirmation? Bang. <laughs> it's number one and probably two. <laughs> <laughs> would number two be physical touch? Yep. Uh, I would say gifts is probably your three. Yep. Yeah. yeah, very good. Yeah, and so that's the only thing I knew. And Reagan's is act of service. And Robin's is act of service. And I didn't even know what act of service was. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't know what act service was because you were playing video games. <laughs> but now I know, and I try to really uh, try to lean into that. You know? mm-hmm. Always learning. Always learning. That's awesome. <laughs> what about Ryan? What's her love language? You know, that's a good question. I don't know. I, I feel like she's a lot like me, but I don't want to assume that she has the same love languages as me. She's very competitive. Um, she likes to, she likes to, I think words of affirmation is probably her number one. Um, she was a gymnast for seven or eight years and she would just, you know, she, she would want to be supported. She was comfortable with talking about where to improve. She was comfortable with pushing a little harder. And that's why I think eventually she'll be into, into working out in some capacity. She's a cheerleader now. She loves cheerleading. Um, but I, you know, I, she's 14 and I gotta, she's still kind of coming into her own. And so we gotta, we gotta work through that. Yeah. As much as she's, you know, she's growing up so quickly, but at the same time, like you're 30 years older than her. And I think I'm harder on her because I know that we're similar and I know that she's leaving something on like, Mm. she's maybe not putting it all out, putting it all out there, you know? And I think she knows that. Mm. And so that creates a little bit of tension between us. You know? It's tough, man. I, I think there's a, and I'm starting to learn this a little bit more too about myself. I, I have some part of me that is afraid to fail. 
I'm a very performance-driven person, and a large part of me sometimes is I don't want to give it my all because what happens if I give it my all and I just completely crash and burn? I've noticed this in workouts, and it's funny because in CrossFit workouts sometimes I'm like, what if I just full send empty the tank and I just try to hold on, but I don't do it because I'm scared to fail. I'm scared to experience crash and burn and I can't do anything. Or even if I, it, it's, but it's the sense of like, maybe this is the case for her, I don't know. But it's like, what if I get to the point where I can't accomplish it? Or, I mean, I think that's the case for me. Yeah. A little bit of self-sabotage. I think drum majoring is probably the only thing I've, Probably one of the few times where I pushed myself unafraid to go as far as I could possibly go. And if I didn't have my knee surgeries, I think I could have gone even farther. Maybe the best. Like, it was all in. Mm -hmm. I think in many other aspects of my life, I hold back. And I think that that's evidenced when people say, you have a lot of potential. When somebody says to me, you have a lot of potential... That makes me feel like I'm not doing enough. Mm-hmm. You have potential? What do you mean potential? Like, I want to achieve it. Potential means I'm not done. And that means I'm not trying, I'm not pushing hard enough and I got to push harder. Or maybe I will move on to the next thing because I'm afraid that I won't reach the potential. So let me try something else. Mm-hmm. Why? I'm afraid to... F- Fail. Why? <laughs> hmm. For me, the the cool, the reason why I'm afraid to fail is because I care too much about what my appearance is. I care too much about what people think, and I also have a sense of pride to myself that when I fail, what does it say about me? What do other people think? And that's why I'm, I'm afraid to fail a lot of times. Because I'm letting people down. That's how yeah, I see it. I think there's some of that. I think back to, like, you know. like I think if I look myself in the mirror and know that I didn't do enough, that I'm afraid to admit that to myself. And I know that I... I don't know if I can handle that. Something to chew on. Oh, man. I'm just thinking about... Go ahead. There there is this old poem I used to carry around in my wallet called The Man in the Glass. Have you guys ever heard that? The Man in the Glass? Ooh. Do you still have it? Uh, I know you want me to recite it right now, but I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, our research department's working on it. (laughs) But it's all about looking at the man in the glass, and is that man enough? Did that man do enough? Are you happy? When you get what you want and you're struggling for self and the world makes you king for a day, then you go to the mirror and look at yourself and see what this man has to say. For it isn't a man's father, mother, or wife whose judgment is upon him must pass. The fellow whose verdict counts most in life is the man staring back from the glass. He's the fellow to please, never mind all the rest, for he's with you clear to the end. And when you pass the most dangerous, difficult test as the man in the glass is your friend. You can fool the whole world down the pathway of years, 
and pat on the back as you pass. But the final reward will be heartache and tears if you've cheated the man at the glass. Mm-hmm. Huh. It like gives me chills hearing you read it because I haven't heard that in a long time. I mean, I carried that around in my wallet for 10 years. I just think there's something about being really true to yourself and giving yourself fully the opportunity to like be the best you can be. And I don't know that I've always succeeded. So then you start to find ways to create obstacles so that you can justify the result, I guess. I think it also goes back to you wanting to learn because it's not settling. You don't want to settle. Because um, that's where I also see myself. Oh, this is good enough. I'm comfortable here. So mm. There's a lot of good stuff there. I yeah. know we're... We're running long time. Yeah. Sorry. Don't be sorry. It's all, <laughs> I feel like we could have you on a whole other podcast and not and still not exhaust <laughs> all the things I want to ask you. Luke looks in deep ponderment over there. Is that a word? Ponderment? I just made that. Ponderment in deep. Luke, audience, before we even get there, you know what time it is. <laughs> Everyone's, Everyone's favorite. Luke, what's been pushing your pee this week? Well, <laughs> I didn't realize this was a pet peeve of mine until two days ago. And then I got like really frustrated. So there have been, you know, some people around, you know, the sicknesses have been going around. You know, people have had COVID again. Okay, fine. Like, it happens. Okay. Well, <clears throat> I realized that I, I, I guess, yeah. I was talking with my parents. And my mom is just recently getting over a cold. Yeah. I don't know if it was COVID or not. She never tested. Whatever. But she, like, every, every, like, I don't know, 20 to 30 seconds, she would just go, <laughs> that cannot be your pet peeve. That, that For the entire conversation. <laughs> that cannot be a pet peeve. The entire, like, just, you're talking, you know, my dad's there, you know, talking there, something's on TV, they think they're working, like, NCIS or something, and I'm like, you know, whatever, talking with them, and then... <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, you know, and I'm meal prepping or whatever, and so and, <laughs> okay, like okay or whatever. <laughs> what? Okay, I think it stopped. I'm gonna go back to it. Put something in the microwave. <laughs> it's not even like enough. It's just like this little like. <laughs> you said you need some the- water. No, I was like, I was like just she had water. Cough? She had water just with do her. a full cough. And I was like, no, yeah. It's like, stop this little fake coughing, like, half, just just cough, cover your mouth, cough, get it out, and then we can move on with our lives. Instead of every 20 or 30 seconds. <laughs> and I was like. You do it so good. <laughs> it's like, that's like, it's really good. Like, that's, like what, that's what happened. I was like. I can't handle this. And so I, I I went to bed angry and I went to, I woke up the next morning and I was thinking about it and I was like, oh man, this has to be the pet peeve for this week. 
<laughs> you should have started doing it. Right? I should have. <laughs> She's like, okay. I didn't want to be disrespectful, but I was like, your fake. Come on. Your fake little coughs are unbelievable. <laughs> Did you practice before you No. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, gosh, now I'm so freaking hot. <laughs> I'm taking off the blankets, everyone. Matt, do you guys do pet peeves? Oh, well, no. we do them sometimes. Everybody. I really just only have one. <laughs> There's, yeah, most of the pet peeves reside on this side of the couch. <laughs> and and so every now and then, when, it is, when we do have pet peeves, we'll bring them up. No, but you can't, like, you don't understand. I was I went to bed, like, mad about it. <laughs> like, I just couldn't, I it kept replaying in my head over and over again. I just kept, like... <laughs> just <laughs> sounds like ah! a dream. I know. It's Matt, what are some of your pet peeves? <laughs> So you do that, and now it's done. <laughs> natural. Very natural. Thank you. Um, so this is hard. I don't think I have a lot of pet peeves. I think I did when I was younger, but like I've learned to just become more chill with <laughs> yeah, stuff. I'm pretty immature, I know. But one of, maybe grow up a little bit, Luke. Yeah. But one of That's the, the one of my that. pet peeves is getting to the airport like five hours early. Whenever we gotta go to the airport, my wife wants to get there like suit like it's me and the janitor. It's just us <laughs> and the janitor. Like, our flight's not leaving forever. Um, and I think that's just year... Like, she, she's very prompt, very ahead of time. And I'm always trying to, to, to show up at the last minute. I want to optimize my life. Like, mm-hmm. I arrive, I walk right on the plane, and we're out to wherever we're going to go. She loves to get there way early. So I just stop arguing about it. Like, I don't even know if that's a pet peeve anymore, but it used to drive me. But you're a dad. Life. That's, like, your thing. I don't prescribe to that. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. I think at the gym, my pet peeve is when I'm laying on the floor dead <laughs> and someone walks into my lane getting ready for the next class. Yes. <laughs> and there's still like seven minutes to go in my class. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Is you it heard okay? me yell at them before. Let me just get this sweat cleaned up. <laughs> is it okay <laughs> if they start helping you put stuff away? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. If they just give me a second. I'm getting old, so when I get done, I, got, I call it landing my plane. Uh, I've ra- ratcheted that thing up to 30,000 feet and I gotta just get that thing down a little bit before I'm ready to start let me just land my plane yeah. give me a minute I'm gonna slow. start saying that now guys let Matt land his plane let Matt land his plane I'm slow looks always like come on with it already but no I just yell you to get off your back and then I don't I haven't seen it in a while but it also my pet peeve is when people are on uh, the gym floor barefooted is that you, Dutton? Oh, that's me. Hey, it's, oh, it's, no it's called getting earthed. Uh, throw some... Su- oh, Have getting you, earthed. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't yeah. you watched the Liver King? He's like, get earthed. Yeah. Yeah. We're not on... Earth. He's on rubber. We're on a rubber floor. <laughs> yeah. It's I, not earth. Yeah. You have anything you're recycling your electrons. You're not... Yeah. I mean, you it's, it's good for you. I always try to put socks on. Yeah. <laughs> you ruin socks that way, though. <laughs> you know. Well, you could just walk in and say, I was like, yeah. Yeah, buy sandals. sandals and stuff. The slides. I'll get know. you some. I'll get you some get bodied sandals. Oh, Ooh. snap. One one foot says get, the other one says <laughs> body. Exactly. Oh, yes. that's sick. That's sick. We'll get our merch people on it. Marketing. Yes. Do you have any other pet peeves? <sighs> I mean, just general dad stuff. Lights on, cabinets open, dude, like <laughs> containers on furniture. I would always be so confused why my dad's like, shut the door, you're letting out all the cold air. <laughs> and then I started paying for like 
my utility bills. And I'm like, guys, close the freaking door. <laughs> it's summer. See so, you know how long it takes to heat up, I mean, uh, cool down the house? Dude, Come man. on. In college, we had a couple of roommates, and one of them, I was like, oh, no, man, we, you want to turn the, the air conditioning on? He goes, I'm going to pay for it, right? I was like, yeah, but, like, we have air conditioning here. He's like, I mean, I mean, if you're not tough enough. We went for, like, two years without turning the air <laughs> Like, it was just, it, we were in, like, we just didn't turn on. Nobody was going to be like, no, I'm the guy. So, yeah, we just we didn't turn on. My girls are in the bathroom constantly. Yeah. And I just tried different <laughs> tactics. So now I have a song. And it goes like this. Turning the bathroom light off again. <laughs> Whenever I turn the light off, I just sing that little jingle. <laughs> just so anywhere in the house, they know Dad's turning the bathroom light off again. Oh, my gosh. That is good. <laughs> and they're out constantly. And, and Ryan opens I don't even know how she... She's got a plate and a fork, and there's 11 cabinets open in my kitchen. <laughs> like, I'm in there with their clothes. I walk out. I come back in. Every cabinet, every drawer. I don't know. Uh, one thing's out (laughs) it is it is so weird because i remember being in high school and my parents would always say that to me and then through college it started i started noticing it and now that i'm like an adult it's like man i notice it all the time something happens between that space that like i agree you know reagan's in college now and she's so messy but i'm curious over the next couple years if she starts to like She's Does living she in a dorm room. Nope, she's by herself. So maybe I think having, having roommates changes the game. It really does. Well, it brings it to the top. It's yeah, just like, like somebody else is like, hey, man, you can clean that up? You're like, wait, so you talking to me? <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to you. You can clean that up? Like, why would I clean it up? Because like, yeah. it's my sink, too. Like, yeah, that like, realization of you have to paper? share things, you know? <laughs> It's a classic. Oh, that was it. That was my pet peeve about the toilet paper. Yeah, what was yeah. it? Yeah. Do you guys, okay, do you guys do toilet paper? It's over. It's over, be over. right? Yeah. Not in my house. I have to turn them all. What? <laughs> I'm constantly turning the toilet paper from under to over. Wherever I'm at, I always turn them. Yeah. Even if it's not my house. Yeah. Just because of it's to right. Because it's right. To go over. Yeah. Because yeah. that's how it's supposed to go. Yeah, yeah. It just comes out way easier that way. Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. You ready for the two minute drill? Yeah, let's go. Sure. Okay, you guys ready? Who's going first? I will. Okay, three, two, one. What is your death row meal? <laughs> Shut up. Oh, man. So I grew up on um, uh, frozen food, so probably like Stouffer's lasagna. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. If you, would you rather have an octopus stuck to your face for the rest of your life or be stuck in the desert naked? Uh, desert naked. Oh, my gosh. Silly question. Um, what's your favorite book? My favorite fiction book is Ready Player One. If yes. You, if you've never read it. Yes. It's an incredible book. And it's throwback to your childhood, too. It's, a, it's, it's yes. an incredible book. Um, my favorite nonfiction book, uh, I read, so Chrissy recommended Chop Wood, Carry Water. I thought that was a pretty pretty cool book. Okay. Um, and then I mentioned I'm, I'm reading Letters from Dad right now. It's pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Favorite thing about your wife? Oh, man. She's so... Empathetic. She just really understands what people are going through and, and kind of makes sure you're okay. Yep. What color do you hate the most? Yellow. Yeah. Yellow isn't there. It's garbage. <laughs> you know, I was taking 
notes. <laughs> How does the Browns win the Super Bowl this year? What piece do they need to accomplish? The one piece that they're missing. Boy, if they could get those wide receivers catching some balls downfield, that would be very... The defense is ridiculous. Talking to you, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Oh, man, catch a ball. If the Browns... So I was telling you guys before, I have such a joy watching the Browns with my brothers and my dad. I, I would love to become a season ticket holder, but there's a line... Like and, and and it's for the Browns. For the Browns, sold out for a couple years. So, um, but now that my kids are moving on, I think we'll be up there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that'd be a dream. You guys got one more each. Yeah, we'll go on the uh, the billboard. If there's a billboard for the entire world to read, what would you put on it? Or see, could be a picture if you want. Take care of your brother. Take care of your brother. I like that. Or sister, I guess. Or sister. <laughs> Talking to you, Reagan. What? Besides blackout, what is your favorite thing about CrossFit? I thought you were going to ask me my favorite CrossFit workout. I was ready. I was ready for that. One. Oh, do you want that one? What's my favorite thing about CrossFit? I love that it allows me to push myself farther than I ever would on my own. Yeah. I mean, today I was like, there's no way I'm getting through two more rounds. And then sure enough, there was still two minutes left and I got through three more rounds. Like <laughs> it, it would never, I would never do that on my own. So I, yeah. What is your favorite workout? I really like the one that we did. I think it's called Linda where you do the overhead squats into the 400 uh, meter run. Nancy. 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 Uh, but I did terrible at my knees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you talked about but not I, liking the run. Yeah. But I love that run. workout. I don't know why. I like overhead squats. I like cleans. Cleans are probably my favorite. But wow. Yeah. A lot of people, I feel like not a lot of people like overhead squatting. Oh, yeah? I love yeah. it. I oh. hate thrusting. Thrusters are the worst. <laughs> thrusted. Get thrusted. Get thrusted. I, I've surprisingly started to like thrusters. I used to hate thrusters. And you got to figure out the, like, wrist positioning when you squat. It's weird. I don't know. Yeah. Well, so. before we end, I just want to say I've known you for how long? Since 2018, probably? Probably. Probably yeah. since the day I was screaming in the gym and you were like, I'm going to be your friend. <laughs> Do you remember that? Uh, no. We were doing wall sits, and another guy was like, <laughs> Oh, Dave Myers. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I do remember that. And you're like, can you be my friend? And I was like, yeah, I'll be your friend. No, but we've we've been friends for for a while, and I just want to say that I and I've told you this before, but I I just respect and appreciate you so much for what you would bring to the gym, for what you've done for me personally. I remember that one night that we sat out by your bonfire for four hours and just like shot the shit and it was awesome <laughs> and i will always remember that thanks and, man and uh so I'm, I'm really glad that we were able to have you on and i know that you mean a lot to uh to a lot of people at the gym people well, are always like well where's matt where's matt where's matt well i want to thank you guys for doing this podcast like i, I mentioned before we started we had the council of the elders discussion uh where we would meet every month and get a chance to introduce ourselves to each other and People have busy lives and you come into the gym and you go out, but 
we all share this common bond of like grinding. And I know we all have a common personality trait to just like be able to embrace the suck and, and push through. Um, and it's fun to hear these different stories and hear different people's backgrounds. I've just truly enjoyed listening to it. Um, I hope you guys keep doing it. Well, thanks for being on. Keep getting body. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> Audience, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys in two weeks.